This evening we're looking at Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 through to 33, just three verses. Three verses and two kingdom parables. In our latest series we've been looking at the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 13 concerning the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, same thing. So far we've looked at the first two of seven parables in Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to give you quite a recap here because I want you to appreciate that they, they, they follow on. They follow a bit of a sequence here and I don't want you to think you can just parachute in on any one of those parables. It's not quite as straightforward as that. First of all, there was the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower where the sower sowed seeds into four different types of ground and only one of the four types of ground was conducive to seeds bringing forth much fruit. It was seen that the seeds represent the word of the kingdom and the different types of ground represent different types of heart. Apart from anything else, what that parable teaches are is that not all hearts are receptive to the word of God. As Jesus said to his disciples in verse 13 through to 16, in chapter 13, let's have a look at that here. This is for the first parable. Verse 13, Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, Neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their ears, uh, their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. And that blessing extends to all of you who are trusting in Jesus. Blessed are your eyes because they see, your ears because you have heard the gospel message and believed. And that's how it is. When the word of the kingdom, which is spiritual truth, is proclaimed, most people will not have ears to hear it. That was the case when Jesus told the parable, the vast majority of the people who were listening didn't progress beyond the earthly story about sowing seeds into different grounds. The spiritual truth was only revealed by Jesus into the heart of his, into the hearts of his disciples. That is something that can be seen in the uh, book of the Acts of the Apostles. The Apostle Paul and others were proclaiming the gospel to certain women at the riverside. And in Acts chapter 16 and verse 14 it is written, And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, 
which worship God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. So, she attended to the things spoken of Paul, by Paul, the gospel. Why? Because God opened her heart to hear those things, to attend to the word that was proclaimed. The point is that it is only the elect of God and not everyone else in the world that will see, hear and understand spiritual truth and be converted. It is only the elect of God who will turn to God in repentance and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour from sin, as a consequence of hearing with ears to hear and receiving the word of God into their hearts. Second came the parable of the wheat and the tares, where a man sowed good seed into his field, but then his enemy sowed tares amongst the wheat. The man's servants had thought to remove the tares, but their master told them to leave well alone until the harvest, unless they pull up the wheat with the tares. Wait until the harvest, gather up the wheat, put it into the barn, into the master's barn, and throw the tares into the fire. That was the instruction given to them. Again, the spiritual meaning was only revealed by Jesus to his disciples and not to the great multitudes. In the second parable, what was being sown was not seeds, as in the first parable, but people, in that the wheat represents the children of the kingdom. That is the elect of God's elect of God whose hearts are by the grace of God receptive to the word of the kingdom. So the wheat in the second parable, children of the kingdom of God, or if you're looking at the first parable, the fourth type of ground, the people with hearts that receive the word of the kingdom. The field that they are sown into is the world. That's given to us in Matthew 13, verse 38. The man who sows them into the world is the son of man. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ. As for the tares, they represent the children of the evil one, the children of the devil. Apart from anything else, what the second parable teaches is that there are just two types of people in the world. Children of the kingdom of God and children of the evil one. When Jesus comes again in judgment, he will gather himself gather to himself his elect, the children of the kingdom. As for the rest, they will be cast into hellfire. That was quite a lengthy recap, but as I say, it was necessary so that you don't consider today's two parables in isolation uh, of anything else. You would be right to assume that they follow on from these first two parables. We shall now look at today's passage, chapter 13, verse 31 through to 33. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, 
which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. In verses 31 through to 32, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a grain of mustard seed, a tiny mustard seed that a man sowed and it became a big tree. We get some idea of just how big this tree is by virtue of the fact that the birds of the air were nesting on the branches of the tree. As for verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto leaven, that is, hidden in flour. Jesus told those two earthly stories in between, telling the story of the wheat and the tares and revealing the spiritual meaning of that second parable to his disciples. It was sandwiched in between the story and the explanation of uh, the second parable, the, the two parables that we're looking at today. Unlike the first two parables, the spiritual meaning of the second two parables is not given to us by Jesus. And that means that we do well to look to the Holy Spirit to reveal the spiritual meaning to us. Let's look first of all at verses 31 and 32 again for the first parable. I'll read it yet again. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Since the Lord Jesus Christ did not explain the spiritual meaning of the parable, it's anybody's guess what the great multitude and indeed his disciples understood concerning the kingdom of heaven being likened to a little mustard seed that becomes a tree. I say that because the fact of the matter is that amongst the listeners there would have been those who were undoubtedly looking to Jesus to conquer the Roman occupiers and set up an earthly kingdom. Even the disciples of Jesus had that mindset. For example, after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, according to Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, the disciples asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They still had that hope and that expectation that the kingdom would be restored to Israel. However, as Jesus had already said to the Roman governor before he was crucified, my kingdom is not of this world. And since no spiritual explanation is given by Jesus to this parable, the Bible commentators do say all manner of things. Much of it 
is rightly or wrongly drawn from other Bible passages. It's not as easy as it might seem by virtue of the fact that the commentators don't all speak with one voice. So, although I will refer, I too will refer to other Bible passages, I will endeavour to draw on what Jesus has already said in chapter 13 in the first two parables and I will do so with guidance from the Holy Spirit as always. First of all, having seen in the first parable that at any given time in history only a tiny minority of the world's population will be truly converted and eternally saved from their sins with the result that they bring forth uh, uh, much fruit, the fruit of salvation, having had their hearts opened to attend to the word of God, a tiny minority of people, and having seen in the second parable that the children of the kingdom, again, that tiny minority of truly born Christians, referred to as wheat in the second parable, are scattered across the world, What we can see in both of today's parables is growth or expansion of the everlasting kingdom as the word of the kingdom reaches into hearts with saving power. In the first of the two parables, the the parable of the mustard seed that is sown into the world by the Son of Man it sees tremendous growth, so much so that it becomes a tree. As for the birds of the air, now this is where you get some disagreement between the commentators. There are some commentators who have seized upon the fact that in the first parable about the four different soils, we looked at this the other week, if you remember, the first type of ground where the seed was cast, it was a pathway. And what happened there? The seed was thrown onto the pathway and the fowls of the air came down and they had dinner, didn't they? They gobbled up all the um, the seeds that were sown. And Jesus says very clearly that that is the evil one. That represents the evil one, the devil, coming down and taking the word of God that is received by that first type of heart. So, The commentators, some of them, they deduce that the birds roosting in the branches, on the branches of the tree, the mustard tree, must therefore be malevolent or evil. I don't see it that way, especially when the parallel accounts of this parable are examined. For example, in Mark chapter 4 and verse 32, the fowls of the air lodge under the shadow of the great branches that shooteth out of the tree. Doesn't sound very malevolent to me, those birds taking shelter under the shadows of those branches of the tree. It sounds to me like the tree is a place of refuge and rest for God's people. And I'm also reminded of a passage in Ezekiel chapter 17, verse 22 and 23. To give some background information, I remember looking at this verse when I lived in India. 
late one night I was just sitting outside the school where I worked and there was just nothing around apart from some trees, a lot of trees everywhere actually, but the tree in front of me and I could just hear a slight rustling of birds that were roosting in that tree and the various noises that they were making, contented noises, all those birds that were safe in the branches of that tree, safe from predators. And it made me think of this passage, Ezekiel chapter 17, verse 22 and 23, where it is written, Thus saith the Lord God, I will also take of the highest branch of the high cedar and will set it. I will crop off from the top of his young twigs a tender one and will plant it upon a high mountain and eminent. In the mountain of the height of Israel will I plant it and it shall bring forth boughs and bear fruit and be a goodly cedar and under it shall dwell all fowl of every wing in the shadow of the branches thereof they shall dwell. The Bible commentator John Gill said the following about the birds in those verses in Ezekiel. He said, They are saints, such to whom the gospel is come in power, and who have the grace of God wrought in their hearts, who are partakers of the heavenly calling. These come where the gospel is preached, and where gracious souls are met together, even in the several gospel churches, where they not only come and go, but where they lodge, abide and continue, under the shadow of the gospel and gospel ordinances, and that with great delight and pleasure, singing songs of praise to God for his electing and redeeming love, and for calling grace, and for all spiritual blessings and gospel privileges. Therefore, Gill saw those birds in Ezekiel as being Christians who meet up and they take refuge in gospel churches, which is all very true. But more than that, their refuge is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That also seems to be the sense of what we have in the parable of the mustard seed, which is a picture of the heavenly kingdom and of its growth. Also, when I look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 32, I should imagine that the birds of the air that come and lodge in the branches of the tree are of every variety when you consider the Apostle John's heavenly vision in the book of Revelation. In chapter 7, verses 9 through to 10, John said, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And to think that when Peter the apostle, stood up in the midst of the disciples and spoke to them just weeks after the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ to heavenly glory. They numbered how many of them? We're told in Acts chapter 1 there were just, uh, there were about 120 disciples who were assembled there in the, uh, with Peter. And that's not a lot. 
But then soon afterwards, on the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 souls were converted and added to the church in Jerusalem. And now, about 2,000 years later, God only knows how many rebellious hearts have been subdued and how many repentant souls have been transferred from darkness to the everlasting kingdom, having trusted in King Jesus for forgiveness. Furthermore, throughout history, at any given time, um, throughout history, before the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world, there has always been a believing remnant, both from Jews and Gentiles, who were no doubt amongst the heavenly multitude that the Apostle John saw in his vision. We'll look briefly now at the second of today's parables, the parable of leaven or yeast. Verse 33. Another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. More often than not, in the Bible, leaven is spoken of in terms of it representing moral decay. For example, in Matthew 16 and verse 6, Jesus said, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees where leaven or yeast referred to their doctrines, which were the traditions of men and were given a higher place than God's holy laws. However, in view of what has just been considered in the parable of the mustard seed, I don't imagine the leaven that the woman took and hid in three measures of flour was anything other than positive, anything other than good. And just like the previous parable, The point being made by Jesus is that the kingdom of heaven will expand and it will grow, expanding like dough expands when yeast is in it. There's a hymn that we shall sing very soon which wonderfully describes the growth of the kingdom of heaven whether you're thinking of it in terms of a tiny mustard seed that becomes a great big tree with birds of the air roosting in it, or the three measures of flour with yeast mixed into it. The hymn writer wrote, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun doth his successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moon shall wax and wane no more. People and realms of every tongue dwell on his love with sweetest song. And infant voices shall proclaim their early blessings on his name. Finally, Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 through to 14, the Apostle Paul said, Giving thanks unto the Father, which have made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. The growth or the expansion of the kingdom of heaven is the consequence of people 
being added to it when by the grace of God they trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. They are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. They have been rescued by God from darkness, from hell's destruction and they've been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son, the Lord Jesus. I wonder where you stand in all of this. Are you still in darkness or do you have citizenship of the heavenly kingdom having repented and received forgiveness for all your sins through faith in the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.